his word. The first two chapters of the Proverbs have been describing for us this picture of how we can live skillfully, insightfully, and successfully before God. That God is trying to encourage us and uh, show to us that wisdom is only found in him. And that these first nine chapters of the Proverbs are essentially trying to convince us of of that truth. That we need to listen to God if we are going to be able to be successful before him and live in a way that will keep us from so many of the difficulties and dangers that life can throw at us. In fact, you will notice that you really get a summary declaration of that in Proverbs chapter 3. And in verse 4, that was just read for us. Proverbs 3 and verse 4 reads, So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and people. If you will listen to these words, if you will take what I am teaching you, and you will apply them to your lives, and they will carry your ways, then God says it is going to give you the good life and successful and sightful life before God as well as it will be before all people. And this this final lesson that I'm doing from Stormproof is is coming out of this third chapter where really I think the, the writer of Proverbs just has a fine way of boiling it all down to a really key truth. And I want you to notice what he says in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. I want us just to think about that idea for a minute. To trust in the Lord. Some translations will read to not rely on our own understanding. To, to be able to realize that God is looking for us to completely rely and lean upon him. Now, I want us to think about that idea of leaning on the Lord for a minute. As I think if you think about that imagery long enough, that is a frightening idea. God is saying, I want you to completely lean your whole life on me. And I think the reason why that is frightening is because there are times in our lives where we rely on people and we lean on them. And what happens sometimes? They give way, right? And you kind of fall on your face and you go, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. I've learned my lesson. I'm just going to depend on me. I'm going to rely upon myself. I don't need anybody else I'm just going to think about what I need and my ways and my wishes. And and that can be a struggle then to hear God say, I want you to lean completely on me. I mean, you think about just doing that in a physical posture that you were going to put all of you put your hand out and put all of your weight on something and you were going to lean on it completely with the expectation it's going to hold up. You know, you you think about if you were to lean on something, you usually kind of test it out a little bit first. You don't just go all the way in. You kind of give it a little and go, okay, I'm I'm leaning on it. All right. And and you're getting a picture of, I want your whole life just just completely lean on him. You're not leaning on yourself. You're not relying upon yourself. Your whole life, 
is completely dependent upon the Lord. And what that looks like is described for us in in this section. The big overall picture of what that looks like, he says, is to not rely on our own understanding. And I hope you will feel the weight of how hard that is of what God is telling us. I want you to rely completely on me. And here's what that looks like. You will not rely on your own way of thinking. You will not rely upon your own insights. You will not rely upon your own wisdom. You will not rely upon your own logic. You will not rely upon your own understanding. Instead, you are going to rely upon my way of thinking. You are going to rely exclusively and completely upon me. What I want us to see is that you have a sense of this zero dependence upon our way of thinking. And I think what's hard about that is, is we have a a fine way of saying, oh, I trust in the Lord. I trust in God. That's easy to say. I want you to see what he's picturing, what that looks like. Trusting in God does not mean saying, I trust in God. Yeah, yeah, we all trust in God. Let's all high five each other. Hugs. We all trust each other. Yeah, we trust God. Yeah. Notice it is saying, I'm not going to depend upon my way of thinking. The way I think about bitterness, selfishness, anger, I'm not going to depend upon my way of thinking. The way I look at dating or marriage, I'm not going to depend upon my way of thinking. The way I look at the world and other people and friendships, I'm not going to depend upon my way of thinking. The way I run my house, I'm not going to depend upon my way of thinking. The way I handle my children and my parents, not depending upon my way of thinking. That is what he is underscoring. Trusting God means I don't rely on my understanding. I will rely on what he says is best. And in fact, I think you get a sense of that because so often what we want to do is we say, I trust in God, but I'm going to follow my heart. And I hope that you will see that those two don't go together. Trusting in the Lord means not following our senses. Trusting in God means I don't follow my feelings. I follow what he says. I don't follow what I see. I follow what he says. We so often want to make all of our spiritual decisions by sight. But please think about how many times in the scriptures does God tell people to walk with him by faith? And what that looked like was doing something that was absolutely illogical and upside down to your senses. One of my favorites is Abraham. God comes to Abraham and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your one and only son and you're going to go take him on a mountain and you're going to offer him up to me. No, no, I, I know I promised that through him, All the nations were going to be blessed. I know I said that, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your son 
And I want you to take him to the mountain and I want you to offer him up. Now, if you walk by your senses or if you follow your own understanding, what are you going to say to that? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't feel right. I don't think God would want me to do something like that. That seems out of God's character. I must not have heard that correctly. Think about all the ways that we would work around that. That can't be right. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't feel right. Surely he didn't mean that. That can't be what he's trying to say. God made a promise so he couldn't have meant that. Let's ask him again. Let's see if we get a different answer. And I want you to see that's relying on our own understanding. And yet how easy it is for us to do that with the word of God. Well, I just don't like that. That can't be right. That doesn't seem right. My heart seems to disagree with that. That doesn't seem like that'd be the right idea. And God is saying, trust me. Don't rely on your own understanding. Don't rely upon what you think you see. And I think you see that in verse six. In all your ways, know him or acknowledge him or submit to him, depending on your translation. In all your ways, I want you to know him. I want you to get a, a thought of that. That means we will listen and obey God in every decision we make. Did you hear how he said that? In all your ways. So every step you take, every crossroad you stand at, every path you're walking down, you are asking, okay, God, is this what I should be doing? I'm looking to you to know you, to acknowledge you, to submit to you, to follow you. I'm going to listen to what he says and not what I say. Now, here's what we like to do. We like to listen to ourselves and then cross-check with God halfway down the road, right? Now, here's what I'm going to do. And then you get halfway down the road. Boy, this doesn't seem, Lord, is this all? <laughs> now, I'm already down the road and I didn't ask. I didn't seek his way first. I'm doing what I want to do. And then we start wondering, well, you know, maybe I should see if God's okay with this or not. And this is what the book of Proverbs is trying to say is, you're already in your consequences by now. You're already dealing with the effects of your decisions because in all of your ways, you didn't know him. You walked by feelings. You walked by sight. You walked by what you thought is best. Now you are reaping consequences. And now we suddenly look up to God. And God is saying, in all your ways, every step, acknowledge him, submit to him. And I think a good summary of that would just be what Jesus said. What verse 6 is simply telling us is our approach to God is not my will, but his. That's what it means to say in all of your ways, acknowledge him. In all of your ways, know him. It means I'm not going to fulfill my will. It's not about my thinks, my feelings, my desires, but God's. And Jesus expressed that to us. And even if it doesn't seem right or doesn't feel right, isn't the litmus test of if it is right or not. In fact, can I say it to you this way? First kind of side point, but really an important point. 
If we need to understand and agree with everything the Lord says to do, then that's not walking by faith. That's walking by sight. I will take the step only when I fully understand what God is doing. Again, Abraham is just stunning with this. Reverse before Isaac. Here comes God to Abraham. Uh, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pack up everything you own, pack up your family, and go to a land that I will show you. Uh, Okay, uh, where is it? Not going to tell you. What's the name of it? Not going to say. How's that going to work for us? Doesn't matter. I just want you to go. If we have to have all of the answers and all of the understanding before we will take a step, that's not faith. That's not walking by faith. That's walking by sight. And yet so often that's the, the, the lens by which we look at God. I will do what he says so long as it completely makes sense. So long as I fully understand. And then not only if I fully understand that I fully agree with it. If you're Abraham, do you fully understand the command to offer your son? No chance. And do you agree with it? Not in the slightest. <laughs> not in the slightest. You do not understand it, nor do you agree with it. Very next line. Early in the morning, he woke up and took his son. I'm afraid if that had been me, it would have said, and at the very last second... <laughs> Waiting all day for God to change his mind. He finally got up. That's how we want to function is by sight. And God is trying to express to us is that if we live by sight, there's no room for faith. If our test before God is it has to make sense to my mind, my logic, my feelings, my senses. That is the essence of walking by sight. And we have completely eliminated faith altogether. All right, now I want you to notice as you look in your text from verse 7 to verse 12, there are three pictures that he now gives on what this leaning on the Lord looks like. The writer of Proverbs gives his own applications. He made my job easy rather than me coming to you and going, now here's some applications on what it looks like to rely upon the Lord and not on your own understanding. The writer of Proverbs says, I've got this. Here's three examples of how you can apply what this looks like. And you want you to notice that the first picture that he gives is the picture of humility, to be humble. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 reads, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Do not be wise in your own eyes. I want you to kind of think about what that means, what that looks like. Don't think you have life figured out. Don't think you have a superior wisdom. Don't think that your wisdom is God's wisdom. Don't be impressed with yourself. You know, we can be that way. I'm just, I'm so amazed by all the good decisions I've made in my life. I'm just fantastic. And if everybody just listened to me and did what I did, they'd be great, you know. Don't be wise in your own eyes, is what he says. Don't think you've got it figured out. Don't be impressed with yourself. That is the imagery that he is giving. This is the essence of not 
uh, relying on our own understanding. And I want us to think about why that's so important. Is if we are not humble, if we are impressed with our wisdom, impressed with our lives, then we are not going to listen to God's wisdom. It will be absolutely impossible for us to trust in the Lord and rely on him completely if I think I've got it figured out. Well, no thanks, Lord. I'm, I'm doing a great job running my life down here. No need for, for your, your opinion here. I'm, I'm doing great. Humility stands against leaning on God. This is why Jesus, his sermon, first words on that mount. Who are the blessed? The poor in spirit. You've got to be humble. You've got to be willing to listen. You cannot depend upon your own way of thinking. We are going to be a people who will be humble so that we will listen to God. We will follow his ways. We will not be wise in our own eyes so that we will listen to right godly counsel that is given to us. We will follow it. And in essence, that's saying it's not about me. I wanted to do a whole paragraph here about how it's not about me, but that's tonight's sermon. So just just come back tonight. You'll get about 35 minutes of that tonight. Humility means it's not about me. It can't be all about me. Tonight's title is the problem of I and my. Because that just absolutely interferes with our walk with God. And he's saying that right here. You are either leaning on God or you're leaning on your own wisdom, your own thinksos. You're wise in your own eyes. And so he gives us this warning and he gives us this picture. But I want you to listen to what he says there in verse 8. If you will fear the Lord and not be wise in your own eyes. Verse 8, he says, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You hear what God is saying? God's saying, I can make your life whole. That emptiness you feel, you don't have to feel that way. That void that you have, I can take care of that. I will make you whole. I will give you healing and refreshment are the two pictures. But what two great images is that? I'm going to refresh your life. Oh, that, that's good on a hot summer day. I need refreshing. When, when you're down in the dirt, who doesn't need some healing? Who doesn't need that pickup? Who doesn't need some mending? Here's God saying, if you'll listen to me, if you'll not be wise in your own eyes, but lean completely on me, don't half lean on me, don't kind of lean on me, don't kind of test me out a little bit, just lean your life on me, it will make you whole. It's the refreshing you need. It's the life to your bones that you are looking for. It fills the hole that is in you. Because I believe that every person, we all feel that hole that God has put within us. There is something within us that is seeking for more. That nothing in this life has the capacity to fill. That we try to fill with everything. Whether it be immorality or moral things, we try to fill it. You know, I'll be whole if I just found the right spouse. No, you won't. That's not going to be your answer. That's not wholeness. 
Well, if I just had kids, then I'd be whole. No, you won't. If I just had better parents, no, that's not going to be it either. If I just had a better job, that's not going to be it. There is nothing that gives you that wholeness, but oh, how we look for it. And here's God saying, trust me, put your life in my hands. I'll make you whole. Rely upon me. Don't rely upon your own understanding. You can be complete and you can be satisfied in God. If you will not be wise in your own eyes, don't follow your think so's. Don't follow your heart and don't follow your feelings. Follow God's and he will give you the wholeness you're looking for. Number two, first he says, be humble. Number two, you'll notice in verse nine, he tells us that we need to be generous. Verse nine, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Isn't that interesting to put that here? In the paragraph about trusting in the Lord with all of your heart and not relying on your own understanding. There's probably a lot of examples we would come up with about what trusting in the Lord looks like. But I'm not sure if we would use this one so quickly. And we might ask the question, well, what does honoring the Lord with my wealth have to do with trusting in the Lord with all of my heart? Why is that a factor that God uses? But I hope that we would note that how we use our wealth does show if we trust God or if we ultimately are depending upon ourselves. We have such an easy mindset. My money is mine and I need to take care of it. It's my hard work and it's my stuff is because of my wisdom and my knowledge and my abilities and my efforts and my time that I'm able to have what I have and it has nothing to do with God. And boy, God all over the scriptures is reminding us it actually has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. You might remember God told Israel that don't you dare go in the land And enjoy all of my blessings and say, it was my might and my power and my wealth. Don't you dare go in there and do that. Don't you dare forget the Lord your God because it's because of me that you have all of that. And here he's giving that same picture. Honoring the Lord with our wealth shows that we believe that is ultimately from God. That we understand that he is the source of this. And it's not me. It's not my intelligence or my time or my strength or ability. It truly comes from God. I want you to look at verse 10 and I want you to think about what he says right there. And when you read verse 10, I want you just to kind of think about for a minute. Do you believe that? If you honor the Lord with your wealth, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, Immediately, because people so twist, distort, and strangle the scriptures, we feel like we have to backpedal off of those statements. Because people come to this and then they go, so if you just give God all your money, he's going to you know, give you a mansion on Palm Beach. And you'll be driving Ferraris and Lamborghinis, and he's just going to make you so rich because of a passage like this. I hope we would get a sense that that is relying upon your own understanding. (laughs) 
and not a dependence upon God. That's not the point that he's getting at here. But he is making a really important point here. If you honor me, I will take care of you because I'm the one in charge of it. It's not about you taking care of you. And oh, how God tried to show that to the people of Israel. What an example God gave. God gave them such a great example. So here they are in the wilderness. And he says, every morning you're just going to wake up and you're going to pick up your food off the ground. It's just going to be there, manna. But you remember what he said? Don't pick up more than today's. It's just going to rot. And why did God do that? So you'll trust me that I'm going to take care of you. You're going to have what you need for today. And you believe that God's got tomorrow. And he wouldn't let them go beyond that. And boy, they tried. Oh, as you read that, they tried. They tried to accumulate and accumulate. It's stunning to read. But as much as we want to crack on them, that's us. I don't believe God's going to take care of tomorrow, so I better hoard my vats. And of course, God said, I'm going to make it come out your nose because you did that. Because you didn't believe that I was going to take care of you. I'm going to make you sick of this. Unfortunately, we can miss the fact that God's trying to say, I've got this. And however old you are, look back over your life. Has God taken care of your today so far, every day of your life? You've been all right? You still here? Even at times when you didn't think you'd still be here? Even at times when you didn't think you were going to get through? Times when you didn't think the money was going to stretch? Times when you didn't think the food was going to make it? Times when you thought you were going to run out? Times when you thought you were going to be empty? You're still here. God's seen. You're going to trust me? Honor me with your wealth. Honor me with your possessions. I'll take care of you. And lest we think that's just an Old Testament thing that we should ignore, which we should never do that anyway. The New Testament is filled with that picture. A passage that we often like to read when it comes to the collection. But let's take it out of that idea for a minute and kind of frame it in the way Paul is framing it. Let's listen to this. He says, uh, the, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all at all times, get it up here, you may abound in every good work. I find the picture of verse 8 so staggering. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that while you're sufficient with all things, you're good. God's got you taken care of. You're able to do what? Good with it. You keep spinning out an honoring of God with what you have. And God says, I'll make you all sufficient. I'll take, keep taking care of you. I'll just keep bringing that back on you. You honor me 
and trust me with what I've given to you. And then I want you to notice a little bit more with with, with that. He continues and says, uh, as as it is written, he who is distributed freely, he has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Listen to verse 10. I don't know why my screen is doing this in a funny way this time. Verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower. Okay, who does that? God. And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Notice the picture. If you will trust me and use what I have given you for the things of God and honor God, I got you. I'm going to take care of you because I'm the one that supplies it. What happens? We look at our wealth and go, well, it's because of me. It's because of me. And so since it's because of me, I can't help you. I can't do good by this. It's mine. It's mine. It's all mine. It's all mine. It is an important picture. And then notice the the picture that's given then in, in verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You have to love these images that God gives to us. I'll take care of you. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can do good with what I've given you in every way. Will you honor God with your wealth? That's what this is saying here. Then I will take care of you. But to consider it in the reverse, if we will not use what God has given us in godly ways, why would he give us anymore? It's a pretty simple picture. Why would he do that? It's as simple as that. That we would give ourselves to God completely so that we would understand that we are entrusting our lives to him and he is then caring for us. But friends, so often what we do so we hold on so tightly. And what that shows is we're not trusting God. I'm trusting in myself. And I don't believe that God's going to take care of my tomorrow. So I won't do what God wants me to do today. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of your produce. You ever thought about that? They gave the first of everything. That's what God had given to them. You imagine the first harvest that comes in and God goes, you're going to give that to me. What are you doing? Well, I'm showing that God's going to take care of the rest. The other 90 percent's coming in because I've given him the first 10. That's what that was all about is showing that very principle with God. All right. Number three, look at verse 11. Third picture that is given to us. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Third picture, be teachable. Notice that he says, do not despise the Lord's instruction. Do not be weary of his discipline. God is going to do things in our lives to wake us up. 
And we are going to go through hardships and suffering. And these are supposed to be teachable moments. And, and let me ask this in this way to kind of lead into this point. What is God's greatest desire for your life? The number one thing that his greatest desire would be for your life. And I hope that in your mind, you're able to run to a lot of scriptures. Is that his greatest desire for you is to not perish, but to have eternal life. That is number one of what it's all about is his goal is to rescue all people. His greatest desire is that we would not perish, but that we would come to eternal life. And so God is going to do all that he can for that aim. And that is why the New Testament is constantly telling us how God uses trials and uses suffering to teach us, to refine us, to change us, that we need that kind of thing. And that's the point that is made in verse verse 12. Don't get weary or despise the, the teaching and the instruction, and the discipline of the Lord, because the one that he does that to, he loves just as a father does for the son. Now, it's important to remember that discipline, we often think of discipline as always Punishment for wrongdoing. Don't read discipline as punishment for wrongdoing. Discipline is always about instruction, guidance, correction, direction. That is the idea of what discipline looks like. And so, yep, there's correction in it. There's instruction in it. There's guidance in it. And here is God saying, I'm trying to correct those that I love. I'm trying to push us in the right direction. And what that means for us, and this is hard. Man, this is so hard. Trusting in the Lord means that I understand that my life direction is going to need course correction. Probably a lot of it. I have to accept, if I am not wise in my own eyes, but I trust in the Lord completely, that my life direction is going to need a lot of course correction. And one of the ways God brings about his course correction is through suffering and hardships and trials. James 1, count it all joy. Why? Because it's producing in you. And he just starts ripping off characteristics. He's at work. He's working in your life. He is producing a course correction that he wants you to be able to have. Listen, this is quoted by the writer of Hebrews. He, he says it this way, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you, not, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. You know, this is the quotation from right here. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Now listen to this, this, this conclusion. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says about what the proverb writer said. Endure suffering as discipline. 
Take your hardship and treat it as divine instruction. He's refining me. He's teaching me. There's areas in my life that need change. And I'm trusting in God that he's going to refine those edges and change the course of my life and push me in a different direction than I'm comfortable with because God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? God's saying, I'm at work here. And my greatest desire for you is your eternal good. Sometimes I wish God's greatest desire was for my physical comfort. (laughs) But that wouldn't be for my spiritual good. If all God did was make me comfortable here, I'd be going the wrong way pretty fast. God uses these things to move us in the right direction. So big conclusion with three sub points. Number one, big conclusion. What God is calling for us then is that a skillful, insightful, successful life before him means completely, completely leaning on God. When we read in the scriptures about having faith in God, trusting God, I hope this will become your visual. It means taking your life and depending upon him completely. Not just saying, well, I believe in God. Not just saying, I have faith. Not just saying, I I trust him. But it means all their decisions are moving through God. And we are depending upon him to care for us. And that three things that he gave us for those pictures. Number one, it means being humble. It means if you're blessed, that's because of God. That everything you have is because of God. Every good you enjoy is because of God. Every blessing is because of God. It's not because of us. Is because of him. Do not be wise in our own estimation. Don't listen to your insights, your thinksos, your wisdom. We are listening to God's wisdom. We will not be wise in our own eyes. Number two, we will honor him with our possessions because we know that God's going to give us what, he need, what we need to do his work. We know that God's going to give us what we need. So that we can keep doing what he wants us to do. That's what trust looks like. That's what we're believing in. That's the faith that we have. Believing that he's going to care for us so that we can keep doing his work. And number three. It means accepting correction. And not resisting his teaching and his training. Oh, it's easy to want to resist. But we need the course corrections. We need these things. So that they will refine us and change us. So let me ask you this as we end. What will you trust in? Are you going to trust in the Lord? Or will you trust in yourself? Will you listen to God? Or will you listen to yourself? Will you submit to God and follow his ways? Or will you still go your own way? The book of Proverbs is trying to convince us. Trying to show us the value of trust him. Follow him. 
And he will take care of you. He's got what you need. He will keep you. And he will carry you through just as he has so far. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father. Lord, the idea of leaning our lives completely on you can be outright terrifying. Lord, it is so easy for us to live by what we see. Lord, it is so easy for us to live by what we think is right and best. And Lord, I pray that you will forgive us for how often we walk by sight and not by faith. Forgive us for how often we depend upon our own way of thinking. Forgive us for how often we do not thank you or bless you or trust you with the wealth that we have. Forgive us for when we have challenged you, when our suffering has felt too difficult and our hardships too great. Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts that would lean on you completely. Lord, make it clear to us when we are relying upon our own understanding. Help us see the need to trust you in every decision that we make. Help us to look to your ways and your word and your will for every step that we take in this journey of life. And Lord, I pray that we would no longer walk by what we see, by what seems good to us, but that we would have such a great heart and motivation to follow you, to listen to you, to hear your wisdom, to know that your way is best, that every law you've given is for our good, and that everything you do is for our eternal good. Help us to see you in that light. May we be faithful to you every step of the way. Lord, make us faithful in our wealth, faithful in our jobs, faithful with our families, faithful with our communities that we are surrounded by. Let us be faithful, Lord, in all that we do. And let us be able to shine your good and glory to the world around us as we trust you in all that we do. Forgive us for our lack of faith. Help our unbelief. And may we see you all the more clearly as the all-sufficient God who gives us exactly what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sing the invitation song. We invite you to come to Jesus this morning. We invite you to think about where you are with God and to trust him with all of your heart, to believe in him and follow him faithfully. His way is best. Can we help you do that? Turn away from sin. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins to begin that journey with him. And if you are a disciple of his and you've been straying off the path, can we help you put your trust back in God to listen to what he says? and to follow him with all of your heart. We'd love to help you. Let us know. Won't you come while we stand, while we sing.